Welcome to Brother 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 Pod. Uh, Win and I are it's a Brother Brother Pod today. It's just Win and I, and um, we are back from the holiday break, traveling. Uh, Wyndham from Argentina and myself from Costa Rica, and uh, happy to be back to discuss this year's Oscar nominees and a little bit about uh, music in the movies today. So, uh, Win, give us uh, kind of the overview of this year's Oscars and the Oscars in general. What do you think? Well, How are you feeling about it? I don't know. It's it's weird to me. I you know I guess I read too much and listen to too many podcasts uh, about the subject. But you know it's a it's a it's a industry that seems to be at war with itself. It it, it uh, makes these decisions. The decisions come out, and then they are they attack themselves for the decisions they've made. Um, it's a you know, it's it, certainly the nominations are lacking um, in diversity representation, um, but uh, it is a strange conundrum when it is the industry itself that is uh, making these decisions, and then again, you know, turning on itself. Um, yeah, and I minutes. feel like last year there was probably a little better representation than the normal. Uh, yeah. But this year had a strong slate of movies too, which is tough, you know. So it's yeah. I thought today to this judge. year was a this was a great movie year, um, and I, uh, I haven't said for, that in years. By the way, I have not said that in years. I think this is the best movie year in maybe ten years at least. It's uh, yeah. you know it was reminiscent of those late nineties years when you know it seemed like people were you know hearkening back to the late seventies. Um, so maybe it is a 20 year interval that that's needed, uh, for people to wake up and, and start being creative again. And, uh, but you know, this year there are, I'd say five movies that legitimately I would call it like a jump ball to see who wins best, best picture. picture at the same time. Um, there Wouldn't were three, or, if three or four, won. yeah, and three or four movies that were left left off the list that I think were genuinely, um, you know, suitable would have been suitable uh, replacements for some of these. Uh, so I can't say that I'm yeah. I'm too upset with the quality of of <clears throat> the uh, output this year. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, and we'll um, we'll run through the categories. I also have one take on just the, it being a good movie year, aside from the the cycle we'll cycling through. Every 20 years, I, you know, I think as television took over in the last 10 years, at least, right? Um, first with kind of cable, HBO, and then Netflix and, and Streaming, Amazon. Yeah. I think you've had a, a, a hit a point where they've become like all the movie studio people have jumped to television. And this is a very uneducated comment because um, I don't know the industry as well as you do when being a, a TV writer himself. Um, but and it's, it's kind of getting dumbed down on that side. Like, I think there's a lot of, I mean, I, I've said this a lot. I mean, there were some shows that really wowed me this year. I, I enjoy, we both enjoyed The Watchmen. And, you know, I think HBO and some of those guys are still making some quality television in, in kind of a, a shorter frame. But with Netflix and Amazon just fl- and Fleabag, things like that. But Amazon and uh, Netflix is flooding the market. There's a ton of, like, okay stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. good enough. Yeah. It's almost like the, you know, the post Quentin Tarantino era where there was a few, you know, just so many movies of the same type. Some of them were decent, but none of them were great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, some of them were watchable, uh, but they all yeah. sort of harken back. They're all pale imitations of, of the real thing. And I think there's a lot of that. Um, even the show that I'm really enjoying right now, uh, The Outsider, after two episodes, I should say, feels like uh, True Detective uh, was logical um, season two, you know what I mean? It's yep. in, in spirit. Um, you know, so it's, it's a, yeah, there's a lot of B plus, um, 
TV making right now, but you know, I guess we're getting back to movies. It's, it was a pretty much of an A plus year for movies. Yeah, and I, and you know, full disclosure, um, just I did not, I have not seen every one that we're going to talk about. Win has um, being. Have you part seen of the Spies in Disguise? Um, I have not. No, and um, and but we are going to go through some categories and then kind of give our picks for winners and then talk about uh, you know the movies that win like the best and that uh, you know some that I enjoyed as well that I've gotten to see. So uh, you want to start on some categories? Yeah. Hit All me. right. So let's start with best actor, and uh, we're going to go with uh, Jonathan Price for two, the Two Popes, which we both saw. Adam Driver, Marriage Story, um, we both saw and loved. Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, which I don't even know what that is. It's an album of our... Okay, gotcha. Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, and then Leonardo for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's, it's um, weird. Who with stood all out the, to you here? Well, it's weird with all the great you know, movies. You know, I just said there's this glut of awesome movies this year. Um, that there isn't like a standout kind of Daniel Day-Lewis kind of performance that where everybody is right. you know, there are there are consensus um you know there is consensus among who people think will win and uh that is joaquin phoenix i, yeah. I have to say i i don't disagree with that i think within that movie within that world i think joaquin phoenix performance was one of the most unhinged and and interesting um yeah it was uh it was like an uncomfortably good performance yeah, um, you know the movie. I'm kind of hot and cold on. I liked it. Didn't you know? Didn't blow my mind. But uh, you know, and it, this is again is is going to be what a lot of times Oscar, the Oscars do, which is sort of uh, you know a lifetime achievement uh, honor kind of. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix has been one of the great actors since he arrived on the scene really as a child, you know, or as a teenager. Um, and, uh, this is the culmination of his efforts. He's going to get an Oscar for Joker. Uh, I can't really tell you that I object too much based on the other nominees because I think they're all in good movies. Um, Jonathan Price accepted. I don't love the two popes, but, um, he's another one that's, uh, you know, been a great actor for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, the, the the male lead actor category is does not in, uh, sort of engender the same quality as the the feature films that they are representing. No, totally. Sense. And I would say to um, every one of those folks, and, and I don't except for Pain and Glory, which I, I have not seen. Um, has another co-lead or supporting actor that was um, also pretty top, except for Joker. Yeah, that, that so really I, dominated I, the film. I mean, yeah, you know. I mean, Joker was almost like a one act for the first half. Of, you know, it's it's pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, um, Jonathan Price is essentially a co-lead. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio is essentially a co-lead. Uh, you know, it's, you're right, and I think that uh, you know that's going to push Joker and Joaquin Phoenix over the finish line. So we say uh, we both agree, Joker, Joaquin mm-hmm. for best actor. Joker, so best, Joker, 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 best actress this year. Um, we got Charlize Theron on in Bombshell, Renee Zellweger in Judy, um, Cynthia Ervo in Harriet. Revo, sorry, and Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, and Saoirse Ronan, and Little Women. So, um, 
I am uh, going to admittedly say that I saw one of these movies. So don't tell um, switch. Don't ruin. The yeah, dress. no, I won't. Yeah. Um, I, it's interesting. I there again. There's consensus around this one, but it feels almost. I can't remember. What is the last. consensus? I don't actually know what the consensus is on it's this. It's funny one. you should Joker. say that because it it's the one movie that nobody's ever seen, which is gotcha. Judy, a Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland. Um, but this has a lot a lot of the same feeling to me that. Um, what was it, last year or the year before when Glenn Close was the prohibitive favorite for The Wife, another movie that nobody, nobody saw? Nobody heard of, yeah. And then just people, you know, uh, just sort of, you know, deferred to Glenn Close because of the mastery of her careers. I mean, she's been fantastic forever. Renee yeah, Zellweger has been very popular for a very long time, very good in a lot of things. And she's playing Judy Garland, who is Hollywood icon. Um, that's I love that. I don't think it's as given as much of a given as everybody thinks. And then I think the other people in this category kind of, you know, there's going to be a little bit of tug of war. I think Shirsa Ronan is fantastic uh, in Little Women. Um, I couldn't believe Charlize Theron wasn't Megyn Kelly in Bombshell. I mean, it was the um, hair, makeup, um, and, um, you know, gesticulation, everything. She, I mean, it was a phenomenal impersonation. She, um, I forget who, who it was. I think it was Megan Kelly said her own kid walked up to the movie poster and was like, mom, is that you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it's, it, it really was a transformation. That said, I could see Cynthia Erivo, uh, walking away with us. Cynthia Erivo is sort of newish on the scene. Um, she has been in, she was in Widows last year. Um, she has played all forms of, of kind of tough, um, you know, hard ass characters and, um, and well, I was, I was actually really shocked to find out she was British. Um, so she's playing Harriet Tubman, another, um, you know, extremely historically significant character. And um, I could see Cynthia Revo taking this. It's a, I think this is a, more of a jump ball than people think. I feel like Best Actress, too, is always the surprise one. Um, it tends to be one they take a little more chance on. Or, you know, to your point, they do do the, the Lifetime Achievement Award. So Yeah, but that, um, that said, Glenn Close, like I said, the prohibitive favorite for the wife, didn't wind up getting the award. So yeah. there you go. Um, yeah, and I think I'm the gonna, same I'm thing might say, happen this year. I'm gonna Renee, Charlize, uh, and Saoirse have all won the Oscars too, right? <clears throat> um, Renee Zellweger yes. did she win Best Supporting for Cold Mountain? I believe she did. Yes, yeah. yes, she did. Yeah, that and was year. Charlize won for Monster. Yeah, for Monster. And did Saoirse Ronan? When? I thought she did. I thought it was like a, you know, when she first hit the scene, but I could be wrong. For Brooklyn or, or one of those? Anyway. Um, anyway. Shirsa Ronan's another really, I mean, it, it may be one of those things where she gets passed over because she's in her early mm-hmm. 20s and everybody knows that she's going to be in a great, give a great performance every year for the next, you know, 25, 30 years. So um, yeah. she may be, she may be uh, dismissed by virtue of her own talent. Which is absolutely counterintuitive. I'm disqualified from this one, so we're going to both agree with uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Yeah. Let's do it. 
All right, moving along here. Um, best supporting actor, which I think is a pretty interesting one um, and a tough one. So you've got uh, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, Al Pacino, Jesus. The Irishman, and Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That is <laughs> a fucking I mean, powerhouse best that supporting is actor. The, you know, what is it, the 27 Yankees? That is a murderer's row. I mean, that is. Yeah, it is. That's a Hall of Fame. Uh, every single person in that category is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Ironically, yeah, it's a, it's a lineup. Brad Pitt, who used to be sort of viewed as a lightweight, is going to walk away with this, and he should. Yeah. yeah. He, he's, he, he's so charismatic and dynamic in this movie and, and uh, just, like, oozes, like, movie star guy. And um, Yeah, he's kind of fit into a, a – as he later in, in, I think, his career, too, where he's – He's really good not being the main, the lead, you know? Yeah. He's got to fit like a great kind of a character actor. The, I mean, the I, funny it's thing hard to call him a character actor because he's so distinctive, but you know what I mean? But he, he can kind of, you know, if he, if I think about what I like about Brad Pitt, and I, I like Brad Pitt quite a lot, um, he was, you know, he was too pretty for words when he, when he first arrived. Yeah. But when I think of what I loved him in, early on and, you know, was like, hey, this guy's actually a good actor. He's not just yep. the most beautiful human being on the planet. Um, you know, he's just, he's not just a god of the Ozarks. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I think back to True Romance where he plays a stoner who's on screen for about yeah, three minutes. Yeah, I think the, uh, of Thelma and Louise. The classic Bond. The yep. Cali Curry classic um, where he's on screen for about three minutes. Um, Ocean's Eleven, where he Ocean's is Eleven, where he's a ensemble. ensemble, and yep. you know all these things where he's a contributing factor, and you know, and I think about the ones that didn't fly. I think of you know Benjamin Button and right. Joe River Black. Runs the river it, runs or, through yeah. it. You know, yeah. um, vampire he, like, interview. You know, <laughs> interview with a vampire. Yeah, where he like flips his hair more often than like Kip Winger. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just think. You know, I, I, I who they're still I, listening to in the Ozarks, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think uh, you know. I think this. It, it. I mean, crazy to think that among if you told if you know if I told you twenty five years ago that Brad Pitt is in best actor or best acting category with Al Pacino, Hopkins, Joe Pesci, Pacini, Pacino, Hopkins, yeah. and Tom Hanks, and yeah. I'd be like, and Brad Pitt's gonna win. Well, and I love the, I mean, the fact that all these guys are supporting actors in this too is, is pretty great. I mean, with the exception of Pesci, who, who has been in, in a supporting actor in a quite a bit of things, but like um, Hopkins, Hanks, you know, obviously Pitt and, you know, Pacino are all kind of heavyweights. Um, I'll give just a shout out though to Pesci's performance in The Irishman. Good. Really, really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, know? no, I loved like, it. I, everything about it. And you were like, yeah. oh my God, I didn't realize Pesci played at that volume. No, not at all. I mean, he, you know, coming from obviously the days of Goodfellas where he, you know, and, and uh, even stuff like My Cousin Vinny and shit like that where he just is fun and, and uh, boisterous. He plays, you know, one of the, the kind of most steady but menacing figures you've seen in a long time and does yeah. a great job at it. Yeah, it never lifts be below. I mean, his top volume in this is conversational. Yeah, that's a, I mean, we both love that movie, and we can talk about it on Best Picture, but he was great in it. And Pacino was Pacino. I think he was good, but he did well playing. Um, but Hoffa's a, Hoffa's a big character. Yeah, you know? big, loud guy. And uh, yeah. and Hopkins is Hopkins. I think we yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. 
Anyway, and I actually just saw Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood the other day, and Tom Hanks is is um, really fantastic as Mister Rogers. Um, yeah, I keep hearing the problem. I didn't see that one, but the problem with it movie. is that it's yeah, it's just not not focused on the right thing. Which the interesting it's, part would be Mister Rogers. It's a it's it's a curious framework. They took some chances. I think they kind of swung and missed. And uh, but Tom Hanks as Mister Rogers um, is is really good. Cool. Well, let's. Uh, we're going to jump to best supporting actress and uh, Katie. Ka- sorry, Kathy Bates, a mm-hmm. longtime uh, fave, and Richard Jewell, Margot Robbie, Bombshell, Scarlett Johansson, doubly nominated, second nomination this year for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Woman, and uh, Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Again, um, you know, like I said, I've I've listened to enough. Um, consensus seems to be Laura Dern. And yeah, I, get, I would say Bates is getting a bunch of stuff too, but the the fact that people didn't love that movie is going to hurt her. I think that she's movie amazing in it. is problematic. Um, yeah. I it's good, um, but the the controversy surrounding it is going to swallow it. Um, yeah. I think Margot Robbie's actually maybe nominated for the wrong movie. Um, yeah, I think during Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, she's great in that. Um, I think Laura Dern was phenomenal. And, yeah, Laura uh, Dern was um, was fierce. She's uh, she's kind of kicked into a great, and I almost took the role that I don't like in the show that neither of us like very much. But it's a phenomenon, Big Little Lies, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of took that um, swagger that she has in that and, and put it in the right place with good writing, and it was great. I also think she'll be the beneficiary much, you know, uh, not recognized in the same way Scarlett Johansson was with two nominations, but Laura Dern yeah. could have been nominated for Little Women just as right. easily. Um, yeah. And uh, so I think it'll be this, on the strength of two performances that she will get the award. Um, that's a Scarlett Johansson I thought was, you know, great in Jojo Rabbit. And, um, but I, I think this is Laura Dern's and, uh, Basically, by playing everything that's wrong with lawyers and Hollywood in the same movie, it's great. Yeah, in one, um, one, yeah, one movie. But I, I, I will. Laugh. I had to say I, I did laugh, um, and it's probably not the most appropriate thing to laugh about. But I, I was watching Little Women, and, and Florence Pugh is phenomenal in that movie. By the way, but watching yeah. Little Women, because I, I, Laura Dern plays the mom. And uh, all I could think of was Laura Dern was the only woman over 40 that showed up um, for the audition who didn't think she was playing <laughs> one of the sisters. Who didn't think she was. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> well, let's, um, let's take a quick break and listen to It's a Wonderful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah. You can find it on Spotify. And, um, and then we'll come back with, uh, did we want to do director? I know we want to do writing award and best picture. Yes. And, and director. And director, too. Place. Cool. All right, bye. Sounds good. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Today we are talking about the Oscar nominations. And, uh, 
you know, it's, uh, I guess it's getting clearer and clearer who we think is going to win. Um, a lot of that's outside conversation penetrating my, my brain and, and making me think a certain way. And some of it's my own, um, you know, my own viewership and my own opinion. Um, certainly there's a couple, um, you know, a couple of, uh, films and and performances that were left out that I think were criminally overlooked, but that's the same every year. Um, but uh, let's jump back into it. What's what's next on the? Uh, yeah. So next we're going to talk about. Um, let's do best director, huh? and uh, we've got Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, you know, mind you, it's kind of crazy to think back uh, to a young myself high school myself and i think you in college and our cousin who did publicity for reservoir dogs telling us about this odd film giving me the script before it came out out, yeah trucking us out to a uh strip mall in new jersey to see uh reservoir dogs and to where he is today um todd phillips who uh you know is, is also uh we're both a fan of with joker um Bong, I might screw this up, but director Bong, Bong Joon Ho, director Bong Joon Ho, and that's Parasite, uh, Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, Marty, as I like to call him, um, and uh, the Irishman, and then Sam Mendes with 1917. So uh, drum roll. This is a this is another kind of a you know minus the newcomer, but it's a very stacked uh, lineup here. Yeah. I, and Todd Phillips, actually, I can't say that Todd Phillips, is, is he, he's never probably been nominated, I wouldn't think. No, he, he should have been nominated. He was criminally un- overlooked for old school. but uh, Old school, yeah. <laughs> and The Hangover. And the hang- I'll tell you what, The Hangover was a very well-directed movie. I, I watched it again recently, yes. and there is, there's an efficiency in that movie that's so, yeah. that I really, you know, appreciate it. That movie's like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's great, and it's a, it's a ride the whole time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, what do you, you think know, you here? Know it's not this an is hour a, and a half. A tough one. The Irishman. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the winner of this category movie. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know just on volume, The Irishman wins. Like, uh, it should have been nominated twice. Um, I love The Irishman. I'm joking about the length because I saw it the day it opened in the theater and had no qualms whatsoever sitting through a three and a half hour movie, and I thought it flew by. Um, I then yeah, watched it two also, more times um, on, on Netflix when it came out. So I've, I've seen this movie, you know, I know this movie kind of backward and forward at this point. Yeah, and I think, too, um, I had no problem with the length either. I, I didn't watch it in the theater. I watched it on the Netflix. And uh, I think the thing that you walk away from this movie, and Scorsese won for, um, remind Departed. me, it was one of his Departed, right? And actually a pretty good film, but not that great. And uh and I think that this, that's a movie I actually watched again recently and, and was like lots and lots of holes there, you know. Um, believe he, this was one that made me, sorry, go ahead. I believe he lost to Kevin Costner uh, when the year that Goodfellas, for Goodfellas came out, which is. So this is definitely the makeup to me, not the departed. And I, I think he, I think he wins this one. And I also think it was a movie that made both of us happy for the same reason, which is like, oh shit, these guys care still. Yeah. And they can make a good movie. See, I think it's going to be Quentin Tarantino. Oh, really? Why? Because he's never won either. Um, yeah. And this is the makeup That's call true. for Pulp That's Fiction, true. which I don't actually think he requires a makeup call. I don't. I, I don't agree with it. I thought he won. Are you sure he didn't win? Yes. Okay. I thought I, for some reason I thought he won one year. Okay. Um, he's he won screenplay. 
I think more than once. Yeah, you're right. That's probably what it um, is. Yeah, screenplay then. But uh, I, I actually don't agree with Quentin Tarantino winning. I mean, that wouldn't be my choice. I think Martin Scorsese, uh, The Irishman, is is an absolute masterful movie. I loved it. Um, I think Bong Joon Ho has made the most creative movie of the year, and you know the is so wild and interesting. And in terms of sort of directing and uh, interesting choices, I'd actually give the nod to to director Bong. Yeah. So you're rooting for Bong, Scorsese, Tarantino, you think? I think Tarantino will uh, win, and I'm rooting for Bong or Martin. Marty, as you... Gotcha. I think Scorsese is going to win, and um, I think I wouldn't care if any of them... I mean, I don't know that I would want Todd Phillips to win for the Joker, but any um, anyone else, I think, could could walk away with it, and I don't think I'd be too disappointed. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see 1917. I'll admit I didn't see that, but you saw that. In, in I right? I wouldn't be shocked if that wins uh, director and best picture as well. So, you know, I'm I'm saying a lot of conflict. I'm throwing out a yeah, lot of conflicting so like, information. Make up your mind. Yeah, it's, it's what you call hedging your bets. But I saw 1917, and I highly recommend that you see it in a theater. And not on a flight, yeah, and not on a TV. Um, it's a, it's immersive, and in the same way that like uh, Gravity was. Um, and it is, you know, I think if if people do sort of um, uh, veer away from 1917, it's going to be, um, uh, you know, it'll owe it to, um, you know, the idea that this is potentially a little bit gimmicky. And, mm-hmm. you know, that the director is trying to be the star of the film. But uh, that having been I think that's a cynical take. I think it's a great movie. And I think it's a, a you know, it's a feat in directing and uh, technical achievement. Yeah. I mean, who gives a fuck? Exactly. That's, a, that's a stupid take. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like if it's a good movie, it's a good fucking movie. I know. <laughs> like, well, that's a that's a uh, yeah, I think I think you should get your job at The Hollywood Reporter with a column so. called Who that's Gives funny. a Fuck? Um, <laughs> but uh, all right, so we've got um, two, three more categories, and then uh, we'll jump to um, to talking a little bit about music, and you know, get out of here. We've we've been kind of going a little long on these cat yeah. on the lo- lower categories, which always seems to happen. So, best screen original screenplay: Noah Baumbach, Marriage Story, Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Han Jinwon for Parasite, uh, Bong. Jun Ho for Parasite and uh, Rian Johnson. Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. For Knives Out. Ryan Johnson. Um, and so Ryan spelled R I A N. Again, gotta, I'm yep. gonna I'm gonna do the will win should win. Uh, will win I think is yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Should win is no doubt. I mean, absolutely 100 percent for me. Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story. I think it was the best written, uh, one of the best written books. Of the year was the screenplay. Yeah, to I'm gonna. F- I actually don't think Tarantino will win for some. I feel like he has won that award enough times that they're gonna pass up, pass him on that. Especially if uh, if he gets the um, gets the nod. And, and I kind of have a, a sneaking suspicion because Hollywood loved Knives Out so much. I could actually see that winning um, because they thought it was so clever. Yeah, and really- uh, not a bad movie by any means. Definitely a little bit overhyped, um, but kind of a fun movie. I agree with you, though. Noah Baumbach, Marriage Story, um, 
and I, you know, still need to kind of um, check out Parasite, but uh, I thought it was just an excellently written movie, and, and Noah Baumbach has two in his canon that are seem very personal, we'll say, and that's when he's at his best, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I you know, my other uh, fear is that they will give this to Bong Joon-ho and his co-writer as a, something of a consolation prize. Um, For no, not and, getting best director. And I would picture. say that would be... Uh, I would not appreciate that move because I think it is a phenomenal story, phenomenal concept. I don't think it rests on its writing. I think Marriage Story is the most writerly and and it's it's a well written movie. Yeah. yeah, the dialogue is great. It's a great script to read. Um, so nominees for best adapted, and uh, you feel free to correct me as you've been doing with with uh, pronouncing Sorry. these names. But uh, no, do because uh, I don't know how to pronounce them. Uh, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi <laughs> for Jojo <laughs> Rabbit. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, Greta Gerwig for Little Women. Steven Zalian for The Irishman. Todd Phillips, Joker, and Anthony McCartan for um, The Two Popes. I think it should be Steven Zalian for The Irishman. Yep. And I'm with you on that I one. I could live with Greta Gerwig for Little Women. Yeah, I mean, I could see that happening too. And. Uh, I don't think I would be upset either. I could live with both of those. But I, I do agree. Alien Irishman was great. Yeah, I think it's good. All great right. Dialogue. So we've got drum roll. I think we covered everything we wanted to cover. And we are now going to... Uh, best picture. Best picture. So we've got 1917, Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, The Irishman, Little Woman, Jojo Rabbit, and Marriage Story. So, real quick, who did they leave off that you were disappointed? Uncut with? Gems. Which uncut one? Uncut Gems. Okay, Uncut Gems, right? Um, yeah. I thought that completely shunned in every category. Yeah, shut out in every category, and it should have been in yeah. for, among others, uh, best actor, um, best. Yeah, what was up with that? Best screenplay. Why do you think that got? Um, shafted so hard. I don't know. Um, you know, it's. I think. Is it? A, is it like kind of an outside Hollywood, like an off Broadway? No, type I. DIY I, movie I honestly think fuck? that yeah. it was the. I mean, I, I give it the benefit of the doubt and say I. I honestly believe it was uh, the Timing. over abundance of quality this year. Yeah. Um, that it just didn't. It. But although there is a there is a tenth spot available for best picture, so that that this is the one I find it unforgettable. That makes for. no sense. Yeah, that that's what I was kind of thinking was the fact that they've gone to this new format of of you know opting in years of having more than less. It doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't put that in and, there and why maybe what what shouldn't be here. I mean, I enjoyed Ford versus me, Ferrari. I don't think it's a great movie. Yeah, I don't think that should be there. Yeah, I, I exactly. enjoyed Joker enough. I don't think it's a great movie. And uh, I, yeah, and Jojo Rabbit. I thought mm, I liked it. I didn't. Jojo Rabbit's the one I didn't see. I thought Ford and Ferrari was an awesome Hollywood movie, a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. But I never would have considered it a Best Picture nomination. And um, I agree with you on the Joker. I don't like. I didn't really think of the Joker was not as impactful as they made it out to be when it came out. And I also thought like great performance, mm-hmm. uh, interesting movie. Dark, creepy, all those things, but I don't care. I never thought about it post. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, so, you know, Knives Out is not in the on the list, correct? 
Yeah, I'm fine. I'm with fine that. with that too. I just uh, I'm surprised. Um, and uh, yeah, I think um, you know I just I, uh, I really think the Irishman is the best picture of the year. Um, I think Parasite is as good as you know. I mean, is 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 one B. You know, I think Parasite's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that 1917 will win, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I'm not going to object to that. Although I think if you break it down beyond its technical merits, and you know, its technical merits kind of like a uh, Saving Private Ryan. Even though I know it's you probably liked it better, but I mean, just that sort. No, of... No, I didn't. I actually I that... like 1917 better. Um, no, I know yeah. you did. No, I, I know you weren't a huge fan of Sam Bright Ryan, but at the time, there wasn't a war movie like that. Right. You know? No, it's it immersive. Very intense and very... Yeah. And it feels to me like Gravity, uh, in a way, like it, it might be so... But Gravity came out in a year that was really shitty movie year. So, um, you know, I think this the competition's fierce. And again, there's five movies on there that could win. And I wouldn't be shocked. And so it's going... So you're picking 1917 as your Oscars will pick. And then we're going to say... You're going to say that uh, your favorite... Or you think The Irishman should win. I think The Irishman should win. And I would be psyched if Parasite won. And I think... Um, And I'm not going to be upset if 1917 wins. I liked it. It's, it's, It's... You know, it's an achievement. And I don't think you'd be bummed if Marriage Story won. I would love it, but it's not happening. Yeah, Uh, it's not going to win. Yeah, I think, I think again, it's a, it's a great script, Um, and it's a good, it's a really excellent movie. So I think that that's a, it's, you know, it is a rare year when, um, you know, when uh, you can be this happy if you know four or five different movies win. That's a very unusual year for us. Yeah, I saw more than half, and I am excited to see the rest. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Irishman again just for the reasons I stated earlier. I enjoyed it. It's a three-hour movie that I had no issue with, and um, and I just kind of uh, was very, very happy to see people that could mail in a performance anytime they want and do often at this stage in their career, which is fine, um, but really actually give a shit and perform and, and uh, masterly direct it as well. And I, I love Marriage Story as well. I had a couple issues with that that you didn't, didn't bug you. I know Christian and I had similar issues just with the sort of drama club nature and the sing-along and musical Yeah, the musical portions. portions. The, funny, the funny thing it, about yeah, that is that still thought it was an awesome there's movie. a... Um, there, I, I was ordinarily, um, you know, if Christian wasn't in a uh, K-hole... Um, he would have seen most of these as well. An MBA hole? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it, it was funny to me because 1917, uh, I won't ruin anything for you, but about, you know, seven-eighths of the way through the movie, there is a, um, uh, a soldier that sings an entire song. And yeah. um, I was gonna, I was kind of laughing because I'm like, oh, well, you guys were bitching about it in Marriage Story, and now here it is in <laughs> 1917. It's like an old yeah, British hymn. I mean, uh, yeah, I could take an old British hymn over, uh, you know, over um, Broadway-esque show tunes. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, I think we put in our Oscar picks. I think let's uh, let's take another quick break. Listen to the Joker by the Stephen Miller Band, yeah. and. Uh, and we'll be back just to talk a little bit about uh, music and soundtracks and then uh, end this thing how we always end it. Some people call me the sp- 
space cowboy Yeah Some call me the gangster of love Some people call me Maurice Cause I speak of the pompatists of love People talk about me baby Say I'm doing you wrong Doing your own. Well, don't you worry, baby, don't worry. Cause I'm right here, right here, right here, right here at home. Cause I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. I play my music in the sun. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We are talking Oscars today, and the other, uh, the second portion of the show, the one we're heading into right now, we wanted to talk a little bit about film scoring and the new trend, or a trend in film scoring, which, um, you know, is uh, taking hold, which is to have sort of well-known rock musicians scoring uh, popular films. And I think... Um, you know what the the segue I was I was going to do and have um, completely unartfully done is that I thought Uncut Gems was robbed in many categories, not least of which was in the uh, original score uh, category where Daniel Lopatin, um, Massachusetts native, I found out, uh, also known as One of Tricks Point Never, uh, scored Uncut Gems. I think it's a phenomenal. Uh, soundtracking job, and I thought it was criminally overlooked in the original score. So, yeah, I've I've heard um, on as, as an album on its own, it stands alone. You know, I mean, I, or sorry, as a soundtrack, I've listened to, listening it. to it without the yeah, it, it stands out as uh, one of the best of the year, and so that's um, and I think almost made your list, right, for best almost albums did. Of the year. So um, did Watchmen, yeah, by so, the way. I mean, yeah, and so that leads us to Trent Reznor, right? So. You know, one thing we, we we were just kind of talking off the cuff on was how a lot of these, um, I guess, tends to be somewhat older, or at least uh, established career. Yeah, it's, kind it's of sort of retirement uh, careers for yeah. indie rockers. Yeah, there you go for alternative and indie rockers. Um, and Trent Reznor was his first soundtrack. Um, I think it was first Social, Social Network. Social, yeah, yeah, it's, okay. it's actually and Trent Reznor which, and Atticus Ross. I mean, I don't give short shrift Atticus to Atticus Ross. Yep. Ross. Um, right. No, not at all. And uh, and then this year did The Watchmen, which was not a movie, but HBO uh, miniseries and our series and was excellent. I mean, just, both of us you know, completely watched The Watchmen and were like, wow, the, the, the score is is noticeably um, making this show better. Yeah, exactly. I think there was probably I would say I would give the score like maybe 20% of the reason I loved it so much. Wow. You know, it was that important and the music, to the yeah. show. Yeah, and I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the soundtrack uh, definitely the choices. I just it made the mood, it was, you know, which would have been, it, which is kind of a crazy story, we won't get too much into Watchmen, but it, it's a great. Um, but there's also Devo's Mark uh, Mothersbaugh. Mothersbaugh. How did you say his last name? Mothersbaugh, yeah. And uh, who started with Wes Anderson and continues to do a lot of his soundtracking 
um, for films, mm-hmm. you know, starting with Rushmore well, and, and going uh, back to the eighties, Tenenbaums and on. You know, going back to the eighties, this wasn't really a thing yet. You know, I mean, John Williams was the big soundtrack guy. Um, John Barry, you know, was your sort of epic soundtrack guy. You know, doing things like mm-hmm. Lawrence of Arabia and Out of Africa and things of that nature. Yeah, it was very uh, symphonic. It was very still, symphonic, right? you know? and you know, really the switch over to sort of um, you know the the. You know the the crossover was really Danny Elfman when he did Batman, um, and you know Prince of course was brought on to do the soundtrack album, but Danny Elfman did the score, and that was yep. the first time I ever really realized, um, okay, well this is a former musician and actually former leader of Oingo Boingo, um, who <laughs> has now become like the serious and and I might add just as a bit of trivia, um, former prom date of Kim Gordon. Um, nice. At West, who also Elfman, who remains a very prominent soundtracker. I mean, absolutely. Huge, yeah, so. he has become like the, the new John Williams. Right? You know, yeah. um, but uh, you know, and Randy Newman, who did Marriage Story soundtrack. I mean, uh, score, and you know, has done soundtracks. You know. Yeah, but I feel like was Randy Newman though always kind of a bit of both. I mean, and uh, you know, he's uh, before my time, and I know people love him, but I mean, he. I know he was seventies kind of. Has some albums that are, are he, kind of classic, but he, he just always sounded like a movie soundtrack. Yeah, to, me, to me, he's always been kind of like a, sh- a show tune writer who wasn't in yeah. theater. Um, and that I don't even mean that as a disparaging, th- you know, thing. I think no, you know, no, I, I know this you don't. stuff is That's always exactly kind of like. um, accompanying uh, stories, and and you know, he had a lot of um, hit songs Concepts that were and, you know came from, you know, either children's stories, Pixar stuff and um yep. but uh anyway, um you know, those those kinds of guys crossed over, but then in the past, you know, 10, 12 years, there's been this real um you know, sort of uh transition to um you know, these indie artists and independent artists um Johnny Greenwood, who does, uh, who did There Will Be Blood. Well, debuted with There Will Be Blood. Which is still one of my favorite phenomenal. soundtracks ever. And, um, yeah. You know, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, as we said. Uh, the Desner brothers from uh, The National have done some some uh, scoring. Tom York this Tom year. Tom York did it this year. Um, and there's going to be more and more. I, there's two questions. One is, um, who do you think... Of, I mean, Daniel Lopatin, as I mentioned. Um, who do you think of the current crop of uh, artists that's that's floating around in, in the world right now do you think are going to become the soundtrackers of the future, the scorers of the future? It's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, a few of them already popped in. I, I would have said the, the Dresner brothers make a lot of sense to me for um, soundtracking, A, because they feel like they soundtrack... Um, you know, kind of the the indie rock landscape today. Anyway, yeah. as they play with they do a lot of art like, installation collaboration, like they did. Yeah, with exactly. Our former, our former brother, brother, brother guest Ragnar Kartensen. Um, yep. You know they've done a lot of uh, more co- composite. You know, they, I think they see themselves more as composers than they do as rock musicians, and that's fair. Oh yeah, I think they, it's Mozart and Beethoven. <laughs> I think is uh, what they were named by their parents, but. Um, but no, we, we like them a lot and think they're really talented and they do kind of lay out a landscape. And, and I also see that band kind of venturing into, you know, some solo projects. I know um, 
the singers doing some solo stuff. I also see some people, you know, more in the electronic world, like uh, Toro. Hey, Toro Yamo. Uh, it's uh, funny. That's Toro Yamo. That's know? the same like, thing. He's one that I think would be. I thought of that was the first person I thought of as well, Toro Yamo. Yeah, I think he he just seems like a logical choice. And another one that I think would be a badass um, soundtrack uh, person, at least for things like you know in the in the uncut, uncut gems uh, vein, is LP from. Uh, Run the Jewels, former Company Flow, and, and Def Jux. Just because his, his sonic scapes are just menacing and, and so deep with like layered sounds and stuff, um, that I think he could he could easily kind of float into that. And I'm surprised he hasn't been plucked, but I think he's he's pretty busy having fun doing Run the Jewels stuff right well, now. Maybe we can get him to do uh, you know one of our future projects. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm thinking uh, like, uh, Jenny Haval. Is it possible? I could see Jenny Haval. Yeah. With um, the bedroom kind of stuff that she, or, you know, electronic stuff that's really pretty lush. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And then you have people like, um, you know, Rye Cooter, who, yeah. who kind of was always a 70s icon and, and did a lot of uh, really one of our probably favorite my films, f- Paris, Texas. Yeah, probably my favorite soundtrack of all, or my favorite score of all time. It's a great score. And, um, you know, the producers like Key Bone Burnett, who kind of assembled a lot of people. I think, you know, there's there's also artists that don't necessarily soundtrack, but lend themselves to a lot of movies, like Gillian Welsh. You know, anything that tends to be Western or country these days, her and David Rawlings are, are, are you know, always a part of that that kind of uh, atmosphere. So it, it's interesting. I, yeah, but I think... But um, we're talking scoring we rather than the, soundtracking. So. Yeah, no, no, no. I was kind of getting into songs. Um but I think you nailed a couple there that, that make a lot of sense. Grimes possibly could be somebody as well who I think um, is just really, really versatile. Flying Lotus and, um, has done talented. some already, I believe. Yeah, has he? I was thinking of him too as somebody who, you know, would Actually, Safety Brothers, um, the first Safety Brothers movie that I saw was scored by uh, Ariel Pink. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could see... Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of uh, electronic artists that I think uh, I could see. Yeah, because they fall into that. Compo- I mean, just like Trent and Atticus to that to that point where it's like they kind of fall into already creating sort of a musical landscape studio wise. Mm-hmm. They're very studio savvy, very um, you know. I think like uh, atmospheric is in general with their music. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense, and, and I mean Greenwood was not a. A swing either because I, you know, I find that like you know he's obviously somewhat of the musical mastermind behind uh, Radiohead's ever evolving, you know, soundscapes and and Tom York makes a lot of sense to me too if you've listened to his recent solo stuff or some of the Adams um, Adams for Peace Adams for Peace stuff you know where it's uh it's really electronic heavy and and kind of um, lots and lots of layers you know and voice layers and things. Yeah, well, I think my my two. You can tell my technical soundtracking skills with my descriptions. Yeah, my <laughs> lots of layers. My two to watch would be, uh, or my three to watch, I guess, would be, Halado Negro, uh, Amen yeah. Dunes, and uh, ah, if the yeah. guy from the Hookworms is allowed to work again, um, I could see him doing. Well, maybe he'll come under a different name and do soundtracks. Yeah, because I think I could definitely see him as well. Um, Halado Negro makes a lot of sense, too. Um, I'm not sure about Amon Dunes, just only because I, I never really listened to him prior to that album. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that I think he's kind of a, a shapeshifter or was. Like, I think he sort of sounds a lot different on earlier stuff than, than the new stuff. And, and kind of like a Bonnie Bear, who's another person that oh, actually yeah. makes a lot of Bonnie sense. Bonnie Bear, good, good you call. Yeah. And then I was just going to throw in Phosphorescent 
uh, I could see that guy doing some. Um, to I could see him. Yeah, I think like he's a guy that could be a like. Cooter. Um, yeah, move to the keys and uh, <laughs> and you know definitely probably like have a couple kids running around and, and do soundtracking post uh, his career. He's another like uh, very. Um, versatile guy but uh, definitely like in that Rycooter band to your point yeah and then uh, all right well um, yeah I, I just wanted to have that conversation because I, I do uh, I am curious to see who's next in that in that line well and fresh off of some good soundtracks too I mean like you said uncut gems um, and then you know the TV soundtrack Watchmen all mm-hmm. totally worth listening to on their own and also uh, highly recommended film and, and TV show by brother, brother, brother. There you go. Well, yeah, thanks for letting me fill in. I know Christian usually does this. I'm the one brother that, that uh, tends to not be able to get out to see all these movies before the Oscars. Well, you see the animated but, um, uh, category, generally speaking. I do. I do see the animated character. And I actually didn't even look at it this year, but I've probably seen it all. Um, and uh, I think... Uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought, but let's end this how we always okay. end it, right? That's what we're, that's what next. So, uh, so what have you been listening to? Wow, I can't believe uh, you just asked me that after... Um, actually, I, I can... After we talked movies? Yeah. <laughs> can we ban the movie part, or do we, can you still go movies? You can still go movies if you want to. I, right. I am going to Got go it. television. I really am uh, digging the with a little bit of trepidation, but, but so far so good. I'm really digging the new HBO show, Outsider. The Outsider with um, Ben... The Stephen King adapted. Stephen King, Richard Price adapted. Yeah, one of our favorite writers, or at least one of our favorite, yeah. favorite um, novels. And, um, and screenwriters. And by virtue of having written The Wire, one of Christian's favorites as well. Um, yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I, it, it's Ben Mendelsohn and... Um, uh, Jason Bateman and, you know, a whole cast of um, really great um, sort of character actors, including Bill Camp um, and uh, Juliet Nicholson. Um, it's it's just a it's it's kind of got this supernatural vibe waiting in the background. I'm always a little nervous uh, that that will erupt mm-hmm. in the wrong way. But at the same time... Well, yeah, Stephen King probably creates some anxiety, not for the right reason for you. Yeah. <laughs> More of the, uh, it's sort of like, you, oh you no, know... Sort, there's an actual monster. Sort of like I, how much I enjoyed Stranger Things before they went into Monsterland. Um, totally. And, that, yeah, you know, yeah. if this one navigates it well, great. But it's why you didn't play Dungeons & Dragons is, when you were younger. This is why. I mean, but so far I'm enjoying the above, the, uh, you know, the natural world's uh, story. Um that said, I am also uh, reading um, Trust Exercises by Susan Choi, uh, which I'm about a quarter of the way through and very much enjoying. So I'll report back on that one. Awesome. Have, what um, are you listening to? I am going to go with watching as well. Actually, I'll do both. I'll, I am listening to something, so I have an old school listen and then uh, a uh, show I just or documentary I just recently watched, which I know you watched as well. Um, the documentary on Netflix called Don't Fuck With Cats um, about a uh, online group tracking and chasing down a, uh, a cat torturer online. Um, and the story, I won't blow it for anybody, but it's, uh, it's a really fascinating look at, um, A, online communities, 
which um, I'm not a part of, and, uh, you know, just kind of the modern-day media and um, social networking and, you know, um, and also uh, mental illness. I, so I also a, think, uh, like, um, you know, uh, identity in social media, it's a, it's an... Int- yeah, well, I mean, yes, totally. And that's kind of, the, I think, the main purpose there. And, and sorry, I, I kind of thought, was thinking just social media in general implying that as well but yeah there, there's definitely like uh the fact that you can be somebody else and um and you know in in that world and a lot of people are and you know some of it is harmless and, and some of it isn't and uh you know it, it's a it's a great there's great characters in this mm-hmm. thing which always makes a good documentary right you have to have the, the great the perfect subjects and i think that um you know the the all the main subjects in this you know with few exceptions being law enforcement is um is pretty uh pretty compelling and good on camera and not necessarily trying to be either i think they're just interesting people that um in this very very fascinating fucked up story yeah i really liked and, it and uh you know and actually i liked it I mean, too i can and, uh, throw in that christian was a big fan too so nice yeah i knew he, i knew he'd seen it but i hadn't heard his uh, his take on it um yeah, so love that. And then um, also just uh, I'll plug Vinyl Me Please, the record club that I'm a part of. Um, they put out great uh, reissues and uh, and also current vinyl and get a lot of exclusives on uh, current indie artists but and hip-hop and um, jazz and funk. But they also do great reissues with, with fun colored vinyl, so kind of some artisan work there and good cutouts. And uh, this month I got Run DMC's... Um, Raising Hell. Yeah, I'm straight. Uh, Raising Hell, yeah. I was going to say Straight to Hell. I couldn't like think for a minute. Um, which is an album that I definitely kind of grew up as as a young lad in elementary school. And I know Wynn was in high school for, so um, made famous by kind of really putting hip-hop in the legitimate category with the the cover of uh, Walk This Way, Aerosmith's Walk This Way, which featured Stephen Perry and, and Stephen Tyler. And uh, but just forgot how loaded that fucking album is. It's another one of those like rumors greatest hits albums where you've got it's tricky, my Adidas, Peter Piper. It's uh, you know just kind of a, a, a kicking hip hop album from start to finish, and, and really one of the the first. I think it was one of the first um, great albums in hip hop. I think one of the first great albums in hip hop, and also one of the first huge crossover. Um, successful albums in hip hop. I mean, you had the Beastie Boys and stuff like that, but I think for for black artists uh, in Run DMC, I know they they had hits. They were definitely uh, pioneers and you know one of the, the most popular hip hop groups of their time. But this album in, in general really kind of um, took them to the top of the charts, and it's great. It's freaking awesome. It's green vinyl. It also comes with a cutout spray paint uh, <laughs> art Run DMC thing that I can put on the you know back of my. Uh, SUV and roll around the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I can do on the wall behind my house. But great album, and uh, I'm excited to have it in my possession again. Um, so uh, that's what I'm listening to, and let's throw songs on the uh, 10 billion uh, and five. 10 best songs playlist. of all time. Go for yeah. it. What are, what are you putting on? So um, I stumbled upon uh, some songs by Courtney Love and Hole uh, recently. I was like, just fucking around with Spotify and uh, heard Celebrity Skin, which is the song I'm going to put on. And just remembered that, you know what, Courtney Love, um, God bless her. She's uh, done a lot of self-damage and I think sometimes unfairly, uh, you know, maligned by media and fans of Nirvana for, uh, you know, being the Yoko to uh, Kurt Cobain. 
But um, you forget that she was pretty fucking talented herself. And, uh, you know, the first album had a lot of great songs. But Celebrity Skin to me is a really well-written, tight, uh, definitely has a bit of that, you know, kind of early 2000s uh, production. or Mid-90s, yeah. Late-90s. Yeah, I'm sorry, late-90s. Uh, production and, and Sheen, but it's a it's a really catchy, great um, pop rock song, and Celebrity Skin is my pick from uh, Miss Courtney Love. Awesome. How about you? Uh, you know, I only have so many hours in my life to mull over these decisions, and they're very difficult. Um, <laughs> I am going to throw on um, Senses Working Overtime by XTC. Yeah, nice. We were listening to that last night. Wynn and I had the uh, pleasure, so if you haven't downloaded or following this, this playlist, we uh, had the pleasure of getting together last night um, for dinner and some drinks and uh, back at his apartment, and this playlist was playing, and I forgot that it was our playlist, and we were having the conversation of, like, I can't wait to hear um, next, and that was the whole purpose of this playlist. So fucking download it. It's really good and really random and has become exactly what we wanted it to be, a great collection of randomest fuck songs. Great. All right, thanks a lot. Cool. Talk to you soon. All right, talk to you. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.